and welcome to my podcast, John Scott Lawton's English You Know. After a short break, I'm back with a rather personal podcast this time, interviewing my mother about her time as an evacuee at the start of the Second World War. So from 1939 to 1945, uh, my mother was evacuated for much of that time. Evacuated means taken away from the city of Manchester, where there was a threat that uh, bombers may come and destroy, obviously targeting factories, but also uh, collateral damage of, of destroying homes. So young children were taken away from the city to go to live with families in the countryside, not necessarily families that they knew. So they went to live with strangers uh, in a safer place or somewhere that was perceived as being safer. There are a couple of trigger warnings with this video. My mother does recall some difficult experiences in Manchester involving death and serious injury to people. And also she talks about the experiences of some children who didn't enjoy, as she did, uh, such a nice experience of living away from home. So sit back and enjoy. Um, she's rather quiet and a little bit unsure at first, but she picks up, warms up, and hopefully you'll enjoy these personal recollections from somebody who obviously at 89 years of age uh, is still able to recall what was actually for her a very happy childhood. Thank you for listening. So thank you very much for agreeing to be recorded for the podcast. I know um, it's something you said you're not particularly uh, comfortable with, but let's see how this goes. So tell me, first of all, what did it mean to be evacuated? Why were children evacuated? Um, and where did you go? Well, we expected at the beginning of the war, Second World War, that um, there would be a lot of bombing the Germans so the idea was the government agreed to evacuate school children to the countryside so they wouldn't be in any danger from bombing to the cities mm -hmm. and uh, I was only as I say six years old so I went on this coach I remember and we ended up at Motherley in Cheshire uh, from there, we went to a school hall or a village hall, and uh, so you went on this coach. Where did you go to? Uh, Mobley in Cheshire, okay. not far away actually. <laughs> hmm. And uh, they expected all this bombing to come, but eventually nothing happened for the first twelve months or so. So my mother brought me home to Manchester again because I had a baby brother born in the October of 1939 and she wanted me to bond with him. Uh, and I, I did, you know, because he was, um, as I say, it was about Christmas when I came home. There was no bombing that year. But the next year, the 1940-41 Blitz, as they called it, on Manchester was really severe and we got bombed every night so my mother arranged for me to again be re-evacuated and we went to a place called Road Heath near Stoke-on-Trent in Staffordshire it was a bit further away uh, and from then on I went to a, a family with two grown-up sons 
and they absolutely ruined me because the, the parents had always wanted a girl and they were really good to me and I was there for three years, uh, practically nearly to the end of the war. Uh, went to school there and uh, made friends with all the people. Um, there were lots of evacuees on that row, on the row of houses where I was, there was about six of us from the same school. So I had friends there, from, you know, from both sides. Um, I remember I got in with this farmer's son, sort of friend, <laughs> called Cyril Maddox, he was called. And uh, we became friends, but he had his father had a lovely farm, but they had this horrible bull who used to chase everybody. I remember one time going across this field, and the bull was loose. It was a huge field. I thought well, it won't get us, you know. And we had to cross these locks over the canal. And I was only like nine, say something like that. And I was the last of them to get away from this bull and he charged me so I dived under this hedge and I got some barbed wire stuck in my leg <laughs> and I couldn't get out and I was stuck there till this bull decided he'd had enough and he went away but I'd, I've got the mark to this day in my leg where the barbed wire stuck in my leg and um, we were going across one town with a basket of washing for the lady where I lived her parents lived across the other side of the canal and they sent the washing every week to be done by the, the daughter or daughter-in-law as she was. And uh, we had this basket of washing all neatly washed and ironed and we're walking across this field. And again, this bull came at us and we just ran, we dropped the washing basket, just ran across onto the lot. And uh, he tossed the basket up into the air, all the washing went everywhere. And he just proceeded to tear every bit to shreds. And months and months after, we were walking across this field and saying, well, there's a bit of grandma's night dress and, and there's a bit of Uncle Al's shirt, you know. <laughs> so it was quite, it was some, I had some adventures when I was there, quite a few. And... Uh, I always remember a very fun time in my life. And now my grandson is living very close to Road Heath. So he's going to take me one day and see if I can find the house where I lived. Because I've already been back to Mobley because I was evacuated there with the reverend of the village. And it was the uh, rectory. Um, and I was there with these London children. They were four of them from London and they kept crying they wanted to go home all the time but there was a marvellous nursery with every toy you could imagine and I wasn't a bit bothered because at that time I was on my own uh, I was the only child you see so I was quite happy but they eventually cried so much they were sent home so then I was there on my own until my mother as I say brought me home to be with my baby brother um, but no, I remember it as a very fun time. Both both times I was lucky um, to get good uh, sponsors, you know, to uh, 
look after me because a lot of children didn't have such happy experiences. They were forced to work and subjected to all sorts of abuse and I, I, I was very lucky really. Mm. Yeah, there have been horrible stories of children, as you say, forced to do quite hard work or even hard mm. labour, um, either agriculturally or domestically, not necessarily in factories, but definitely in domestic situations, yeah. um, cleaning and things like that. So you didn't have that experience? No, no. I had these two big lads, you know, that were in the late teens, and they used to sort of um, entertain me quite a lot, and they, they were good fun. And eventually one got married, it was engaged to this lady. And uh, my mother came to see me once. I can only remember her coming to see me once while I lived there at Road Heath. And she brought this lovely lavender negligee set for the lady that was getting married. And we laid it, she laid it out on the bed. It was a lovely lilac colour. Um, Previous to this, we'd been to a, a place called um, Northwich in Cheshire and they'd got these little puppies and they brought me this little puppy and said I could have one. And we called her Nancy because we got her from Nantwich and brought her home but she was like puppyish and she was tearing everything up. Well, this girl had laid this negligee set out on her bed uh, or the boy's bed, presumably. And uh, the dog must have gone upstairs and found it. The next time I saw it was all ripped up. Going down the garden, I saw this lilac sticking up out of the soil. And there's this negligee set, which the mother had saved up coupons for, because she couldn't get clothes then, unless she had coupons, clothing coupons. So there was no chance of getting another set. And the girl was really you know, terribly disappointed. And then the dog had to go after that, so I don't know where she went, but she had to go. Mm -hmm. um, but then eventually the war was coming to the close and my mother brought me home just before it ended. And by that time I'd be 12, and so coming up to 13. So in all that time, did you not go back to Manchester from not, Road Heath? No, or? not from Road Heath, no. Never went home. Three years, over three years. Mm. I was nine and I was over 12 when I went back. And did you find it hard to, because Manchester's quite different oh, and yeah. was then definitely different. I didn't want to go back. I remember thinking, I wish they'd adopt me because they'd, no, they'd always wanted a little girl. A couple and uh, they said to my mother because my mother was on her own at the time um, she was separated from her father and so she had a baby brother my baby brother on her own and she'd have me like as well so they said they would adopt me but my mother wouldn't let me go like she said no I couldn't have her adopted mm. but I was hoping I would have been adopted because I got all my friends there and my boyfriend. <laughs> and, uh, well, you were very young. You were, what, nine years of age then? Yeah, it was 12, though, at the end. And you're 12. still 
chasing me. I'd have had this lovely farm to inherit. Well, can you describe Manchester as a city in those days? In those days, yeah, we we weren't very far from the centre. I mean, All Saints was within walking distance. That's centre of Manchester, All Saints, where all the big hospitals are near there. Manchester Royal and and Ano's and Throat Hospital, all the big cinemas and Oxford Road. There's Oxford Road and Oxford Street. And I remember walking one day, years before, and I was only about three, and I walked from my house, pushing a little pram, all the way to All Saints, and nobody stopped me. So you're on your own? It's on the main road. Without your mum? Very, very busy main road, yeah. And a gentleman who lived next door to us was called Mr. Volkert. He was ever such a nice chap. He was a German, but he was Jewish German. And he saw me from the tram. He saw me pushing this little pram that he knew was my pram. And he thought, that looks like Muriel on her own. So he got off the tram at All Saints and, and said, where, was, where are you going? I said, I'm going to my auntie's. And she lived right back the other way, but I'd come the wrong way, you see. So uh, he got got me back on the tram with my pram and took me back home. And mother didn't even know I'd been missing. Because <laughs> this pram used to squeak like mad. And she never oiled it, so she knew she had the squeak that I wasn't around, that I was around. But anyway, she must have missed me this particular time. Because I mean, it was a very, very busy main road main road with buses and trams and cars. You know, it wasn't like in those days as busy as it is now, but it's right in the centre of Manchester. Mm-hmm. You only go further along Oxford Road and you're at Piccadilly. And how far were you from Trafford Park, which was the big industrial estate? Well, oh yeah, we did. When Going back to the 1944-1 Blitz, they bombed Metro Vicks, that was Metropolitan Vickers, where they made our munitions. And they bombed that every night. We were in the shelters close by. And then when you came out of the shelters, the sky used to be blood red with all the fires. Mm. And that went on for, well, a year, you know, until I was evacuated the second time. Well, it went on after that, but I wasn't there like. But, uh, there used to be things called landmines and they were huge bombs and they'd drop them on a row of terraced houses and the whole terrace would be wiped out and after the bombing next morning we used to go out as children you know and picking up all these bits of bombs and I had a collection of all these bits of an oil bomb and bits of a a bread basket they used to drop incendiaries in bread baskets and I remember them dropping this one in the centre of the street and we picked bits out of it after it had gone cold like and uh, it was quite exciting in a way because you didn't think of it as the war when you were children you just thought it's an adventure um, but I had um, Twins had relatives killed in the Blitz because they went home to get the cake. It was the twins' first birthday 
and they went back for the cake to the house and the house it was a direct hit and they were both killed on her 21st birthday. Oh. They were cousins. And uh, there was another time, I remember, we went out and down this entry somewhere. We used to play down the back entries like, they like little old Victorian houses with little back entries. And we were playing as kids, went down this back entry and we found this woman's arm with a wedding ring on it. And we knew it was a, we thought it was a woman's arm and it looked like we'd have her in a wedding ring on. And we, we went and told the policeman. Oh <laughs> dear. It was all sorts happened, you know. That, and I can remember another time when we put, went past this house and they'd been bombing the previous night and it sliced the end of the house off. And this lady was sat in the top floor in the attic, sat at a table as if she was just going to have a cup of tea. And the table was, cup and saucer was in front of her and there wasn't a, a mark on her, this lady. But she died from shock. She was dead. She was dead. And they were wondering, because the whole of the three-storey house was sliced off, including the staircase. They were wondering how they were going to get her down, you know, because the building was unstable. Mm. And um, I can remember that vividly. And it stayed in mind. I mean, next month I'm 89 years old, so that memory must be stored somewhere. Mm. Well, it's still vivid. Obviously, it's still there. What about adjusting back to life in Manchester after you'd been in the countryside and going back home, being with your mum who you'd not mm. been with for three and a half years except one mm. visit? Did you find that difficult? Um, I don't really remember much about it because I soon got to, I'm quite I can go from place to place whether it's having been moved such a lot. I've moved a lot in the uh, in the time house to house and I can always settle down within a few hours. It must be part of being uprooted so many times. It doesn't bother me moving about. Mm. I must have had 36 different residences, <laughs> residences in my time. Well, I think I've beaten you since, but you've started yeah. a family trend, haven't you? Yeah. Um, but there are people who say psychologically they've found that kind of separation from their parents difficult. Yeah, and it? obviously your parents separated while you were away. So again, what happened yeah. to your dad? Well, he went to Liverpool, to, he lived there with another lady in Liverpool and eventually my mother divorced him and then for some reason she took him back and, and he did the same again, he went off with somebody else so she, I never saw him really, I bet I saw him three times in my life because he was always away, because he was on secret work, we didn't know what kind of work but he worked on the airfields a lot, at Scampton and places like that. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't remember much from my father. I did meet up with him later in life. And my brother died when he was 26, so uh, I traced him then through the flowers he sent to the funeral. I got in with him then, but my children met him then. You met him mm -hmm. later on, didn't you? Yeah. But then he died at 69, so... Because I'm the longest living member of our family. Nobody's ever lived as long as me. Mm. 
I had one grandma who was 26. Another one was 48. It was my grandma. Another grandma, oh no, the granddad, he was 58 and the other one was 48. Dad's dad. And then brother was 26. And my father had a, uh, my father had a brother and he was uh, called Joseph Scott. And he died at 21. So none of them lived very long. Mm. So miracle I've got as old as I am. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as you say, in February, February 22nd, you'll be 89. 89. Yeah. Your 90th year. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think of anything else I can tell you, really. But in terms of Manchester, you lived in Manchester for quite a while then, didn't you? Before you moved again to the countryside. When I moved to the countryside, yeah, I've always yearned to go back to the countryside through being evacuated to Rodeep. And I did achieve my ambition. I went to live at New Mills in Derbyshire. And then from there, I went back to Manchester for a while and ran a shop, a craft shop. And then eventually came to Derbyshire in 1988. So I've been here all that time. Yeah, another 30 odd 30 years. 30 odd years, yeah. yeah. And I now live in a converted garage, which is like a bungalow, <laughs> which was previously a barn, because it's got an upstairs as well, which is a loft. but. I don't go up there, so I'm too old. But you have a very nice view out of your I've window of the, the countryside. Yeah, to look at around the castle. And yeah. yeah, I love Derbyshire. I would never go back to Manchester. And it's changed so much. I did have relatives there, but they've all died off now. And I've got one friend left. She's, she was 90 last June, so just the one friend I go back to see occasionally. Uh, but it's changed Manchester, I mean, it's so violent now. There's lots of hijacking and all sorts of things, burglary. Mm. I wouldn't like, I'd never go back to Manchester. Yeah, it's too claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Well, thank you very much, Mum. Uh, personal <laughs> uh, journey, a sort of personal podcast. Yeah. And that thing about evacuation, um, quite a traumatic experience as we said for yeah, some children but for you I, I never bothered really. it was an enjoyable one yeah it was yeah i've got a book about it and something it's about the evacuees and all the trials and tribulations they had because mm. michael kane is the same age as me he was evacuated from london and the first i mean he's jewish isn't he? mm. first meal he gave him was bacon and eggs oh dear <laughs> But you see these photographs of children with labels around their necks. Oh, yeah, you know. the gas masks. Yeah. Don't forget the gas masks. Oh, I could go on and on, but... No, and our Jeff, I remember, he had, like, the gas mask. Mine was, like, in a box that he carried about with you everywhere. You had to take your gas mask. They ne we never did get gas. But our Jeff was like a, a cradle, and you had to pump the air into it. Because he was a baby, yeah. He was a baby, yeah. he was nine months old. And then he got a Mickey Mouse uh, gas mask. So they had those till they were about three. Mickey Mouse blue and, I can remember, blue and red. Mm -hmm. But mine was just a black. 
Well, it was horrible. Sitting in the shelters up between the time when I was evacuated first time and second time, we used to go to this convent and sit on the stairs because it had a big cellar. And we used to have to do our times table with the gas masks on, you know. Five, one time, one five is five, two fives are ten. And you'd be saying that as lessons, you know, <laughs> on the steps. I can remember sitting on the steps of this convent. Doing your maths. Doing these uh, tables, times tables. And then we because our school was on a little, it was a church school, but it was Church of England, you know. Mm. And, uh, but anyway, the nuns were very nice to us. Then I was evacuated, and then, lo and told, they bombed the senior school. <laughs> One time we weren't there, luckily, but they bombed the girls' school, so we all had ended up at the boys' school, co-ed school, which didn't have in those days. I was about 15 by then. Well, no, I'd be uh, 13, 14, because I left school at 14, went to college, Northern College in Manchester, learnt short and typing arithmetic and English I had to take because I was under, under school leaving age. So was Manchester still getting bombed in 1944? Um, no, no, I think it stopped. They were bombing London with those flying bombs. Mm, V2s. Yeah, V2s and V1s. But not, not Manchester, left us alone, I think. Mm. You got the odd stray bomb hitting places, you know. Like they did with the bomb in Sheffield a lot because they, they did a lot of steel works there, Sheffield. So as you were coming back, they jettisoned the bombs that they had left over and dropped them anywhere, you know, between Sheffield and, and Derbyshire as you were going back across the North Sea. In fact, just here in the road where you live now, there yeah, is a gun emplacement set where there was a, a searchlight that used to look for those aeroplanes coming back coming from back, Manchester. Yeah. That's Over fine. Sheffield, yeah. Yeah. Enough, but I think only one aeroplane was shot down from this area. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know somebody that was killed. Well, a new parent. Um, on a stray bomb dropping there. Mm. Between Sheffield and here. And there was one at New Mills that you mentioned. Sadly, it was a girl who was evacuated from Manchester two new mills and again it was just a Stray bomb. somebody getting rid of a bump yeah yeah just fate isn't it i'm a great believer in fate mm -hmm. i think it's all panned out for you born. but it's obviously still within your lifetime it's still within your memory and yeah. uh, thank you for sharing That's that it. with us yeah. okay. okay thank you very much john thank you <laughs>